Hello and welcome to The Yarn, a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Kevin Wild, and thanks for your company. This week, it's all about what's happening in Asia, an area where more than 85% of Australian wool is sold to. From China to Japan, Korea and India to some surprising places where wool is making inroads. Here's John Roberts, AWI's Eastern Hemisphere General Manager, with a blunt assessment of how things stand today following the impact of COVID-19. It's bordering on disastrous, um, but that's that's uh, that's a relative term, I guess. Um, they're um, yeah, they they're going through a hell of a time. Um, you know, some of the, the GDP growth in a lot of those Asian countries. Uh, well, it, it'll be you know second quarter retractions in GDP of you know up to up to forty five percent in some some countries. So you know that's it's catastrophic. But I would say there is a degree of optimism about um, about bounce back next year. Um, so, you know, I think uh, China's certainly leading the charge. They seem to be coming out of this quicker than anybody, uh, which is good. They, they, they're our biggest customer as a, as a user of raw wool, but also as a consumer base. So, look, it's under the circumstances where we're getting there. <laughs> and, and when you say 45% drop in GDP, what, what countries are you talking about there? Oh, uh, look, I think uh, I was actually looking at some, some of the notes before, but I know in India... They're predicting yeah, 45% second quarter shrinkage. Uh, similar, similar for uh, Japan. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty grim. Um, you know, just anecdotally, brands like Uniqlo are saying that their April sales are down 56% year on year. Um, Shinsegae Department Store in Korea, they're saying their their year on year is down 97%. <laughs> but Saying that, their um their online sales are up twenty percent. So, you know, there's people are adapting to this quite differently. Japan's an interesting market. You know, whilst for all its technology and its and its sophistication, it is very traditional. And in some respects, if you talk to Samuel, our country manager there, he's he's very um he feels like COVID's actually going to accelerate a lot of their progression in terms of online selling. Um, you know, casualisation, they are quite a formal market. So this will actually accelerate a few, quite a few things as well. Focusing on, on China, because it is the biggest market, as you say, uh, both domestically, it, it uh, takes out wool for its domestic market, but also exports it to the world. Um, first to go in, first to come out in terms of major economies, are processes starting to get busier or are they being held back by the fact that uh, demand for, for sales in places like the US and Europe are, uh, are certainly down a long way? Yeah, look, they, they, are, they are back. They are, you know, uh, operating. They have had to lay off a lot of staff. They're, they're doing less shifts than they normally would. Uh, you know, when in the middle of COVID, we saw a bit of a, a bit of strength in the market and, and that was primarily due to China and those factories we did have it. There was a bit of backfilling going on from orders, and that was that was quite quite pleasing. Of course, that that dried up as we, we all expected. So, look, they're operational, um, but yeah, their downstream sales are, are dramatically reduced. Um, you know, you know, Shinau, for example, one of the biggest uh, yarn makers in the world. Um, yeah, their their biggest customer is J Crew, who you know, just filed for bankruptcy. So. They're all having a good hard look at how they're going to re, 
reschedule their business, um, reorientate their business to you know a different uh, form of orders. I mean, they've got a, they've got an ability to to flex to a certain degree, uh, and they have that laid off staff, and they can they can put people on on reduced hours. But it's yeah, it's it's tough for them. But again, a lot of them are also trying to be optimistic about downstream orders. I, I mean, I did hear anecdotally. Uh, last night, that th- there was about 200 tons of, of greasy wool sold into China of various types. So, yeah, there, there, there are some orders there. And it really is a matter of seeing how things are going to be in three months, six months' time. We're, we're, we're certainly not past the worst of it in terms of the, the economic shakeout. And here in Australia, we've done better, but we've still paid a, an economic cost. And yet, the Northern Hemisphere, Europe, and the United States um, still very much struggling with it, even though Italy's gone back to work. Mm. Yeah, and look, I think that's no one's no one's really able to form a long term view. Yeah, at this stage, uh, you know, people are starting to you know turn their minds towards autumn winter next year. Those orders coming through, and I mean, the ship sailed for for this year. I mean, that we wouldn't you wouldn't those orders wouldn't be there now. They would have already gone. So, yeah, it's really about focusing on that. <laughs> 12 months time and whatever they can get in between is you know is is they'll take looking to the to the rest of uh your era in terms of the eastern hemisphere and the emerging markets there is always going to be a, a reliance on you know those those really large countries like china and japan and, and korea but things are also moving elsewhere can you sort of explain that a bit more yeah sure um well, look, we started an emerging market strategy you know, before I was here in, in 2012, and that was primarily around Russia and, and, and Vietnam. Russia kind of showed potential, but that's all it did. Um, and Vietnam really did come through as a champion. It, um, we went from zero partners in 2012 to 80, more than 85 partners there now. Spinners, weavers, knitters. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a real success story. And, you know, again, it's about finding more homes for our wool. China's been, you know, for the last, call it 20 years, has been, you know, fantastic for our industry. I mean, when I was a top maker, it used to be $1.50 a kilo to convert greasy wool to top in, in Australia or Europe. China were doing it for 50 cents. I think now they're probably doing it for $1.20 or more. Um, so it's not the cheap cost conversion centre that we've, we've enjoyed, for the, or wool growers have enjoyed for the last... 20 years um, we've got to find those other ones um, and Vietnam certainly certainly one of them but in some respects that's no longer an emerging market it's, it's an established market it's it's and it'll continue to grow we want to find that next Vietnam so you know this is why we started to review the emerging market strategy and and really look at Southeast Asia and and the subcontinent and where we think you know growers dollars are going to be best spent in finding that new home and look, we, we had about eight or eight or nine different markets there. Um, you know, there, there was Laos, um, Cambodia. You mentioned Myanmar, uh, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh. In the end, we thought we can't spread ourselves too thin. We've got to actually, you know, prioritise. And, and we really decided we're going to hone in on those three markets: of Cambodia, Myanmar, and Bangladesh. We've already got a number of licensees in, in Bangladesh, and it's. But the point is, they've all got really strong textile cultures. Um, and that's where we see the best opportunities anyway. So when do you think that uh, things will, will really sort of kick in in terms of uh, ramping up a production in those in those countries from where they are now to 
you know, five years' time, it, it, it really taking off? Is that the plan? Yeah, look, well, I mean, their, their textile industries are already taken off. They're huge. It's just getting wool in there. And I think, you know, that, that's a – I think it's a two- to five-year process um, just to get – if you look at how long it took us to get traction in Vietnam, um, which was pretty rapid. But I, th- I don't think, you know, you can expect too much – I think Bangladesh might be a bit quicker because it's already very established, and there is, you know, there is a bit of wool going through there. And you know, one of our big partners, Young One, has a, has a very big factory there, and they're, they're very familiar with wool. So we might find that that accelerates a bit more quickly. That's great, John. Thanks so much for your time and your insights. Not at all, and uh, good to talk to you. That was John Roberts. And to dig a bit deeper on the Japanese market, here's AWI's country manager in Japan, Samuel Kokoday. Japan has officially entered recession. GDP is expected to to shrink 7% year on year in real GDP terms. And they're expecting now about 35% contraction quarter on quarter. Now, that's for this quarter now. And that also follows a 7% contraction from September to December last year because they hiked the sales tax. And there was a huge typhoon as well. So that's already three quarters in a row when it's just really, really bad. Um, and employment is expected to double from 25 to 5%. So you could say it's only 5%, but still it's doubling. Uh, so, you know, in terms of social impact, it's huge. Um, exports are down 60%. It's not, it's not looking very good. Uh, I can give you some, some figures on retail. You know, uh, the sales of, I think, Uniqlo, um, let me look at my on my notes. Uniqlo is down 57% year on year in April. United Arrows, which is one of the largest select shops in Japan, down 63%. Uh, department stores, on average, down 73%. Isetan in Shinjuku, down 91%. Um, so it's tough. Speaking of tough, how to keep wool in the mix of fibres worn in Japan? Suit sales are down there, like much of the world, so the trick will be getting wool into other fashion categories in the future. Casual office wear, more than, than pure sportswear. Um, hopefully, we, we already see an acceleration in interest for well-being and uh, ethical lifestyle, and healthy lifestyles. Um, so hopefully that's going to push, give another push to Japanese sportswear brands to incorporate more natural fibres. But quite frankly, they, they're a bit behind even now. Uh, so I think where the largest um, opportunities for us is casual casual office wear because that's what everyone is wearing every day. And if you're not wearing, wearing a suit anymore, because if you wear a suit in Japan, probably it's pretty good quality. There's a high chance that there's a high percentage of wool in there. So what are people going to be wearing and how can we ensure that there's going to be wool in it? Challenging times ahead for you and your team. Yeah, it, it will be, but again, it's quite interesting because um, it's forcing people in the right direction, at least for us, more online sales, uh, more casual products, more innovation, uh, more you know, eco, eco-friendly fibers, uh, probably a better messaging that's not just about functionality or gimmicks, but actual value. So I think on the long run, this will play in our favor, but it will take a while. Sam, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kevin. Samuel Cockaday speaking from Tokyo. That's it for this episode of The Yarn. Thanks for listening. There are 130 episodes of The Yarn covering research, marketing and on-farm advice. They can be accessed via wool.com. 
AWI is on Facebook at Australian Wool Innovation, on Twitter at Wool Innovation, and on Instagram at Beyond the Bale. I'm Kevin Wild. See you soon for another yarn.